we when we took the offer, we took seventy five percent up front, and then we rolled back in twenty five percent. Now we're owner of the. So you took your equity play out of the first one and and said, "I'm gonna bet on myself and go second one because you can double, triple, whatever that whatever." Exactly, happened. we can do it all over again. So I tell people, and then and then in April, no. What, so wait, that that looked like two Super Bowls. That two, that's what it's, yeah, we sold it twice. Hey, what's up, everyone? I am Max Maxwell, and I am your host of the Max Maxwell Show. And you guys are probably thinking, where have you been? Don't worry about it. I've been getting things together, but I'm back like Jordan wearing the 4-5 right now. So this is the first episode back of the Max Maxwell Show, and I got a guest for you. Like, I got a guest for you. In the old podcast, I tried to get him to rock with me. Things had to simmer down. But my guy is like, a, he's a Super Bowl champ. Not in like the, the sports, but in business. Like he's got a ring. And if you know anything about me, having a ring means you sold and exited your business. So welcome to the Max Maxwell Show, my guy, Rod Brown. What's hey, up, man? man? Glad to be here, man. What's happening? How you been, bro? Man, I've been good, man. Been welcome good. to the new set. You're the first this, guest this, on the set. This is incredible. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm blessed. I'm just, uh, I'm excited that I'm here. So yes, before, before we talk about the Super Bowl ring, the business yeah. Super Bowl ring, you know, we, you and I have been in masterminds that you have put together with some tremendous people that I yep. had the opportunity to meet. Matter of fact, a lot of them are going to be the first few guests nice. back on the show because a lot of them are so interesting. Nice. Um, but tell us, tell us about your upbringing. Where you, where you, where you from? Man, I'm from uh, Wilmington, North Carolina. Wilmington. Okay, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, that's why raised. you bought that that uh, house down there. Or yeah, something. yeah. Okay. Well, on the beach. Yeah, on the yeah, beach. yeah, down okay. top. So, um, born and raised in Wilmington, North Carolina. Man, uh, kind of you know, real, real. Uh, humble uh, upbringings. I didn't know I was broke till I went to college. Uh, you know that that, that kind of thing. Uh, I didn't know we were broke till we went to college. Tell me what college. was that like? Like you you think all right, cool. I'm in Wilmington. I'm living a good life. You pull up yeah. to college. What was going on? So money really wasn't a thing, man. Like like, but my great grandfather he was actually an entrepreneur and he actually owned rental property, but that meant nothing to me. Okay. Right? And then obviously it didn't mean a whole lot to our family after he passed away, like the the patriarch, because everybody sold. Everything. We sold everything. Okay, right? so, so you really was, didn't get it. Didn't get it at all. Okay. Didn't get it at all. And so I go to college and, and you know, 21-year-old kids, they're driving, like, really, really nice cars. I don't have a car. And then my first one is a $800 Datsun B210. Okay, the Datsun. The Datsun, right. <laughs> that, yeah, most people only know what a Datsun is, man. And so, um, so yeah, I grew up in Wilmington, had a great time, you know, played sports a little bit. Um, really just just love that community and one day may end up back there retiring just that's chilling. nice yeah I, are you heading that way yeah yeah yeah, yeah you yeah, heading yeah, that way yeah yeah so yeah. so what college you go to i went to winston state yeah so right, right here. here yeah that's how so, i ended up in this area man. so you around i'm around went to winston state uh uh so i was dating a, this this is how um i made decisions back then i was dating a girl who uh her dad lived in winston-salem uh -huh. so she said she was going to winston state so i was like oh me too that's not uncommon. Everybody make decisions that me, like that. I was like, that but age. she didn't. She didn't go to Winston State. She went somewhere. But that that, that kind of formed my forged my path. So you pull up to Winston State. Uh, yeah, she going somewhere. Yeah, she going somewhere else. So I'm like, yeah, that's just how I, you know how thoughtful my decisions were back then. And what what did you study when you was in uh, college? Um, I started out as a computer science major. Uh, got bored real quick, and then just went straight business. So concentration when, in information. When did systems. you? What was your freshman year? What year was that? 
freshman year was 80, mid 80s, 84, so 85. So at that point, was that a common degree for, for black folks very, to be like going to like? Very popular. Okay, very, really? That's particularly HBCUs. Okay. It was like the thing because a lot of folks, uh, IBM, uh, to, to name one, they were hiring uh, a lot of African Americans in okay. computer science. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so computer science, and then you switched? Yeah, switched to uh, information systems. A lot easier. Still along less the math. same. Still in, in in the same area. Yeah. Computer. No coding though. I didn't have to. Okay. Yeah, I didn't have that coding brain. That that logical, you know, coding brain. So, Got it. I don't either. Yeah. Yeah. Not not math. Forget it. Yeah. I like math though, but I just didn't have that that, that side logical of brain to actually yeah have to create code. Got yeah. it. Yeah. So how? What kind of student were you? You you you. Man, I, I mean, you a big a, dude. I, so I you was an athlete a, or no? I, I played just a little bit. Yeah. Um, uh, bro, I barely got out of Winston State. Okay, barely got out of Winston State. Pledged a fraternity uh, in my junior year, and after that, I lost my mind, bumped my head, and um, just was everything was important except for for academics. I did kind of camp out in the uh, in the little spot where they had people coming in doing interviews. So I was a, I was a skilled interviewer. Okay, but um, yeah, man, my grades were just and I, and I was able to kind of mask that by telling people. You know, companies that I had to pay for my education, so I had to work a lot. So that's why my grades were just mediocre. So yeah. I'm just here. I'm just here. I'm just here so I don't get fined. Yeah, <laughs> Beast mode. Yeah. Exactly. I'm exactly. just here so I don't get fined. Exactly. So exactly. You know, going through when you when you start to you about to graduate. I'm assuming. Yeah. I mean, what was you as going through college? Yeah. Do you think, yo, okay, this was a good mistake? Four, it took you four years. Yeah. I just, yeah. I've always been like. I've always been like, uh, well, well, I, I did a co-op. Uh, somebody believed they trusted me to do a co-op uh, or an internship with the North Carolina Department of Labor. Okay. So I got, I did that for two semesters. So it took me, you know, four years plus those two semesters to okay. graduate. But, um, but yeah. So going through college, it was, it was like the crew I hung out with. It was always, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? I, you know, we all got jobs, but it was like this. This can't be it. Got it. This can't be it. Yeah. And so leaving out. First of all, everybody's gonna ask, what what fraternity did you pledge? There's only one. Okay. Only one. Every, you know, it's one fraternity. <laughs> it's a bunch of social organizations, and um, we just happened to don the colors of crimson and cream. So cap alpha Psi. Okay, cap yeah. alpha. Okay, yeah, but, but you my guy, man. So you know, I didn't go. Alphas, to, alphas only is. But yeah. that, that's just hey, that ain't got. Remember, I didn't go to college. Oh, that's right. You did. So I, I thought you were an alpha. No, Why did I think that? I, a lot of people when I wear alphas only, I people say, "Yo, you you know alpha." I'm like, right. I ain't got nothing not to do that with that. Alpha. No, yeah. not at all. No sir. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they wouldn't allow me to get in college, even if I had the money to pay. I didn't have the grades no, to you get in. Got, you could have gotten college. Yeah. You think so? Oh, absolutely. I was such a bad student. I didn't even take the SAT. There are people who went to college. There are people who went to. For I mean, they went to Ivy schools that didn't take the SAT. Well, I guess yeah. what you don't know, you don't know yeah. because I for me, for me, I had thought at the time college was not an option. So at 17, I went right to the military. Wow. Which I am not, I love that. I love right. that decision because it put certain disciplines in me that I still carry with me today. So right. I think if I would have went to college, I was already I I wasn't a great student in, in high school, so I yeah. probably would have been even worse when you interject like the women aspect of me mm. having to focus. Bruh. And so I went to the military where you didn't really see any women. So I was good. Yeah. So my, my influencer said, you got two choices, go to military or go to college. And again, I, I went to Winston-Salem state on a, on a whim that my girl was going to be in Winston-Salem and I was about to go into the air force. I did everything That's except, did. except go and take the oath. Wow. So yeah. you did the ASVAB and you was ready to go. Everything. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. Ready to go. Okay, so 
you 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 graduate, you do this co-op at the Department of Labor. At that yeah. point, you probably thinking you probably gonna go there and work. No, at that point, I just wanted to have an option. Okay. Yeah. And so graduating, that was an option because I did I did a pretty good job, you know, at that at that internship. And you started bouncing around after that after you graduated? Or? No, I actually I had two offers. Okay. I had them and I had Wachovia at the time. Wachovia, Wachovia. Bank. Yeah, and in and, and banking operations, which is like the back office of banking. All I knew about banking at the time was branch banks. And okay. so I was like, I don't want to work in a branch and say we got this thing called operations. And that would have been right here in Winston because I'm actually in the Winston Tower. One of my offices are in the Winston Absolutely. Tower. It would have yep. been there. Well, actually, it was on Four and a Half Street, West Four and a Half Street. My father worked there. Really? Okay, yeah. yeah. My it was father on West worked Four and a Half Street. Street. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So um, I had two offers, and um, uh, so my youngest daughter makes ten fifty an hour. Okay. At a at an ice cream spot. <laughs> so we did the math, and she makes more than I made. In my corporate job coming out of college back then. Even with inflation? And, uh, not with it. Well, it's not much more. enough. Not much more. Not, it's not not, much it more. wasn't an ice cream shop. I made $20,000. Mm. And I was like, can I get some more? And they were like, we'll give you $500 more. And I was like, yeah, I won. <laughs> $20,500. But you know, that's a, that's a common thing. One of my good friends, Nas, um, he graduated and went to work at a call center. He just thought when he graduated college, it was going to be game over. Money was just going to be right. flowing. He said he made like $30,000 a year mm. working at a call center. And then luckily he found he found real estate and was like, yo, I'm out of here. Right, right. Um, so you, you take the job of Wachovia? I took Wachovia, yeah. Because it was in Winston-Salem. Didn't have to change a whole lot. Didn't have to move to Raleigh. Yeah, that's where the you literally went job. down the street, huh? You literally went down the street because that's yeah. not too far from where the campus is. Right, absolutely. And absolutely. then how long you stay? You love it? You like it? Nah. So everything is like competition for me. So uh-huh. I get in there and I'm like, I don't really want to be there, but I'm like, if I'm here, I gotta win. Okay. So like, I got a promotion every eight months. Okay. And I became like Mr. Wachovia. The, I was the I was the black Mr. Wachovia. So anything that happened in the city that Wachovia's a part of, get right. Because you they need the black guy. They need the black guy. Okay. Get right, get right. And so I did that for I kind of bounced around inside of Wachovia um for 16 years. The last stop was wealth management. Okay. Because I had the entrepreneur bug and it was like operations is, you know, we just had to make sure money didn't leave the back door. Yeah. Right. We're just playing defense. And so um wealth management was the closest thing to becoming an entrepreneur. And so I, I everybody told me no, kind of finagle my way into wealth management. Um and so I did really well there. Became like top five in the whole company. But still was like, this this is still not it because it, yeah. I was chasing cats like you. So and you wanted that you seen you was looking at entrepreneur shows and magazines and all that stuff. I'm looking at people that I manage money for. That's even worse. That's even <laughs> worse than because you see it. Let me tell you a quick story. <laughs> so I inherited this account. It was a sixty thousand dollar account. Dude, um, uh, dude called me up and was like, uh, "Man, I, 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 I just need to cash that account out." I'm like, "Why?" I just, you know, I just became your advisor. Why? He was like, "Well, it was my cousin's. His cousin got fired. Mm-hmm. Uh, my cousin was managing for me. I just gave it to him because he's my cousin." It's like, what are you going to do with it? He said, I'm, I'm going to go buy a vet. I'm like, no, you don't, you know, my, my wealth management mindset is you don't want to do that. You're, yeah. not, you're losing money, right? You don't want to do that. So I don't know a whole lot about the guy. He said, I said, you mind if I come talk to you about it? He said, yeah, come on out. So I go to this little shack in Kernersville, North Carolina, right? It's a, it's a little shack. I walk in. I see all of these um, 
uh, floor buffing machines, mm-hmm. right? It's like six or seven guys in there. They kick back, laid around. And he takes me to his office where it kind of opens up like, ah. Oh. And so we go in his office and we sit down. And he said, um, he said, Rod, can you turn this into this $60,000? He said, I'll leave it with you if you can turn it into 180000 in a year. I said, no, I can't promise yeah, that. I can't do that. He said, did you see all those machines when you walked in? I was like, yeah. He says, well, I, I, I clean um, uh, floors in grocery stores and convenience stores up and down the East Coast. He said, you saw about a million dollars worth of equipment. He said, with the contract that I just got, I had to go out and buy that equipment because in a year, I'm going to make about $3 million. And we're in this little shack. We're in this little, this, 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 it's, a, it's, it's literally a shack. It's a shed. And he's in there with his boys. And he says, yeah, I'm going to turn that million into three million in a year. Now, if you can do that you can have this. for this 60 grand, you can keep it. I was like, I can't promise you that. And so I was like, wow. And so from that moment, I said, I got to be you. Because I'm, I'm chasing you. I'm begging you to leave 60 grand with me. And you're going, it's play money. Did you make friends with that person? Oh, yeah. Definitely. That's, that's funny you say that because one of my first mentors at an early age did the same, was in the same exact business. Yeah. I hope it's not the same person. Yeah, it could be. Was he out of Kernersville? I know he wasn't, but he was a brother named Rick. Nah, that's not nah, that's a brother. So this, uh, he had the same thing. He had yeah. this, he, he did the same, he did malls. Yeah. He did, and he said, yeah. And I looked at him so simple growing up. Yeah. But then as I got older, I started to realize, and then I started to realize, and then he got real comfortable, and then he started showing me his his stocks. Mm. He said, yeah. yeah, I manage my own account, because they down yeah. there, they messed up my account, and I had to bring it back. Yeah. And I, that's that's interesting. So your first yeah. guy you went after was that that you became mentors or friends with was yeah. somebody yeah, he, that- he, he, like, he like really um, just kind of peeled scales off my eyes. When he was like 60 grand, go buy me a car with this. I'm tripling my money. I'm tripling the investment into me. And I was like, I was just like blown away. And then from that point on, I started paying attention to the people I was managing money for. Mm. for. And it was mostly business owners. And the things that they were doing, it wasn't rocket science. And I'm going, <laughs> what? My like, man said, I clean floors at the grocery I store. I clean floors at the grocery store. Another dude, he sold lamps. He did two, um, what is it, the furniture markets in High Point? Yeah, yeah. High, Each furniture ones. market, he did $10 million in orders, lamps. And guess what? He didn't make a lamp. He, just, he didn't own a lamp. He just resold lamps. He did lighting. So he was drop shipping before drop shipping was drop shipping? He was drop shipping. Yes. <laughs> 10 mil. A show. That's crazy because a lot of people don't know that in High Point, North Carolina, I don't know if it still is, but at one point it was the furniture capital of the world. Um, so it makes sense. People from literally people from all over the world, from China, from Germany, from Russia, came to High Point, right up the Absolutely. street, small yep. town, and bought furniture. I mean, I heard of stories people coming in there and buying three, four million dollars worth of uh, furniture to go back home. No question. And spending another no half a mil to get it back home. No question, without a doubt. Yeah, that's insane. So, so I got introduced to to that world as well through, you know, being a wealth manager. But I'm seeing all these people with a bunch of money that put their pants on the same way I did. Mm-hmm. Using REI Skip is very simple. All you gotta do is register for account, choose a payment method, upload your list, and you don't have to use any crazy Excel templates. 
drag and drop your headers over and press start and voila, watch the magic happen. What are you waiting for? You wanna to talk to more sellers? All you need to go is to reiskip.com and register for account today. And so then it was just like, man, I gotta figure out how to become you. How long, gotta be how, long how long did that take for you to get out of that? How long did it take for you to jump? Or was you doing it both took, at the same time? No, it took, it took, so that was, it probably took four years. After, you, five after years you met him? After, after I met him, it took five years for me to jump. Because here, here's the other thing. I was good at what I was doing. So I was making a lot of money. Mm -hmm. I was making a lot of money. So a lot of money uh, creates comfort. Exactly. I know and the feeling. comfort is the enemy to what? Success? And so I'm going... I, uh, yeah, I want to be you, but, you know, but then I, the stories just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And again, Max, they, it wasn't rocket science. The mm -hmm. things that they were doing, they just had, you know, some hard Clean work, some dedication, the and they started solving problems. <laughs> right. Exactly. Selling lamps that I Selling don't make or own. People need lamps. Dude, no, here's, here's the craziest one. I had a client. Dude came in. He made $250,000 a year refurbishing pallets. I've heard of that. He would go buy broken pallets from retailers. Or, or they'll give it to him. Or they'll give it to him. Yeah, if he, just, if he just took it away. He bought them for like a buck, a buck a pallet. Go refurbish the things and sell them. He, made, he, 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 he cleared $250,000 a year. Full-time or side dollars. No, that was full-time for him. Wow. But still, pallets. So it was like, oh, my God, there has to be the thing. There has to be the thing out there. So what's your first business venture? First business venture, 10 years old. I tell my kids all the time. In Wilmington, we used to uh, knock down missile tree. Who? Me and my boys. When I was 10 years old, me and my friends, we used to knock down missile tree. I mean, mistletoe out of trees. Okay, okay. Bag it up during Christmas and walk around and sell it. That's a hustle. That's a hustle. Because they had a whole theory behind kissing under mistletoe, right? Absolutely. You got to have mistletoe at Christmas and you got to have it in this historical district where you got the real big, pretty Victorian homes. You got to have mistletoe. So that was the first gig. Uh, then we did, um, uh, you know, like as a youngster, we did the um, mold yards. Mm -hmm. We had the newspapers. I sold newspapers for the oldest black newspaper in the country, the Wilmington Journal. I've heard about um, that in some documentaries. So that was hot. Um, but then like the first business venture um, where I really took some serious risk, um, it was it was um, the software company. In between time and, and you know in the meantime, I did like side hustles. I did the multi level marketing things. So I what about the jump? When you made that jump, was it straight in the software or was it? Yeah, it was straight in the software. Okay, it was straight in the software. We um, yeah, it was it was crazy because at the I was I was having this like internal conflict with myself mm -hmm. about what I was doing. So me, I had a, I had a partner uh, in my wealth management uh, team, and we had a big argument one day because he walked around like he was a prima donna. Mm -hmm. And I told him, I talked to him about value and like how we got to offer more value to our clients other than just managing their money. And um, I asked him one day, I said, so what, what did you do before this? And he said, oh, I, I loaded and unloaded trucks. <laughs> and I said, I worked in banking operations. I said, what's the difference between us and our customers? We just decided to learn this stuff. Mm -hmm. If they decide to learn this stuff, do they need us? It becomes a commodity. We need to add more value. But I he couldn't he wouldn't get that con he didn't get that concept. And so 
I talk so, about that all the time. Like the information that we have out there, especially with the information age, yeah. the information that anybody possesses at any point in time would eventually become a commodity, especially how fast and how information is out there. So of course you better, Absolutely. you better add more value or, or that section of what you know is just going to become Absolutely. a YouTube channel. Absolutely. <laughs> and so bro, um, yeah, so we had a big argument about that. And so I was having this internal battle, like, man, anybody can go do this. I make a lot of money, but anybody can go do this. Yeah. Like, this is just, and, and then me, I have to, and then I don't, and so my uh, my boss at the time, we went to lunch, and I didn't have a whole lot of respect for him because I just didn't, because I, I didn't believe he could get himself out of a wet paper bag standing inside of a swimming pool, right? <laughs> but he said something one day at lunch, and it was one of those, I got to take my, my, all my staff out to lunch just to talk to them. It's like a team building kind of thing. And he said, man, his, his buddy came in town and his buddy um, sold boats. And he said, I kind of sat there talking to my buddy and I realized, you know, we make a good living, but we'll never own anything. And it hit me like a ton of bricks. Like, mm. wow, dang, you, you, you're right. We'll never own anything. Um. And so at that moment, it was like, I got to figure it out. I, this, this, this is not it. I got to get out of here. And so um, then I had a chance meeting with my business partner, uh, Trinity Manning, and the rest is history. So did you, what type of software did you end up getting into? So we developed a um, electronic health record software for behavioral health care, for mental health. Okay. So it was a uh, practice management tool where they use it to run their entire practice. Okay. From scheduling to billing, from the time they got a patient or a client to the time they discharged that client, they could do everything, documentation, the whole nine yards. So where does that, where does that even come from? <laughs> Man, literally, we stumbled, we tripped into that business. So Trent's, uh, Trent used to, um, I don't know if you remember, there was a time where if you developed a website for someone, you could charge them like five grand for Absolutely, it. Absolutely, I remember yeah, that. So he learned how to, to create websites, and yeah. he literally was doing that. And so he created one for this lady who owned a group home for troubled youth. Okay. And so they were literally just talking about the website. And um, they would meet just to look at the progress. Just to get like copy. He was doing all the copies. Yeah, copy all of that stuff. So he started firing all the engines when he was no, talking. No, he didn't. Oh, wow. He didn't. So she said, uh, so she would come to the meetings or he would go there and she had all this paperwork and she was complaining about something. He would overhear conversations. Yeah, I'll get that to you whenever I can get it to you. I got to find it, da 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 Yeah, I got to audit. People are coming in here uh, to try to take away my business because I'm not going to have this, this, and this. And so he was like, like, tell me about what you do. And so she did. And then she said, man, I wish I had something that could help me with all this crap. So he built a access database overnight. So he's, he, he's the one who went to coding school. Yeah. He's, he's the artist. He's the guy. He's the artist. Yeah. I tell people all the time, I own the software company and never wrote a line of code. He's Trinity, the artist. Trinity's the one that was Trinity's the artist. The, uh, dropped out. Of, he was in the class. You dropped out of right. He 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 dropped out of he dropped out of computer science. He, he failed computer science. Oh, he failed it. He failed computer science. Interesting. Yeah, but he he creates this access database overnight, and then the lady kept saying, "Yeah, that's good, but I wish it had this." Then I wish it had this. Then I wish it had this. And then you mind if I show it to some of my friends that do the same thing? Then they said, "Man, it'd be good if it had this. It'd be really good if it had this." And so that went on for some time. And then so you had your own beta testers kind of built in dude, telling you what was going on. Dude, ignorance. I don't care what anybody says. If if you do the right thing with ignorance, it'll change your life. You know, I, I believe me personally, you know, we're both entrepreneurs. I love to get into businesses I know nothing about. 
because the the pure ignorance that you have causes disruption inside the industry. Absolutely. And so I, I love I, I agree with you 100 percent. And you ask questions that the industry doesn't ask because they it's, it's we've done it this way. We've done it this so way. Long. Absolutely. So. He gets an offer. Somebody offers him some money to buy this this version of ShareNote that he created. So right? the company's called ShareNote. The company's called well, the product is ShareNote. The company's oh. called Once Logics. Oh, so Once Logic and you build products inside of there. The product you guys were building was called ShareNote. ShareNote.com. ShareNote.com. Right? Yeah, you can go take okay. a look at it now. It looks nothing like we created because we'll talk about that later. Yeah. But anyway, so so they offer him money, right? So he's like. I ain't never seen this much money at the time, right? I ain't never. What do you mean? You're going you're gonna to give me that? So he goes to his dad and says, Dad, what do you think? Should I? Dad's like, I don't know. I have no idea. So his dad says, I know who will know. Mm-hmm. So his dad says, let's go to a pastor. Go to our pastor of our church. So his dad went there. So the pastor's like, I don't know. <laughs> but what the pastor did was he brought together about 12 or 13 people in our church. And one morning or one afternoon, me and Trent and I, we played golf on a Saturday. And I was like, all right, man, I'll see you tomorrow at church. He was like, yeah, I got to get there early. I said, I got to get there early. He said, yeah, I got a meeting with Pastor. And I was like, I got a meeting with Pastor. What's that about? He was like, all right, you'll see in the morning. He didn't tell me anything. He said, like, you'll see in the morning. So we get there, tell the whole story. And then at the end, Pastor says, all right, guys, tell them what, what you would do. Now, these are bankers. These are controllers, uh, Fortune 500 companies. Um, nobody's an entrepreneur. Well, there's, I think one attorney, maybe one CPA, but you know, no, no entrepreneurs that, you know, were running enterprises. Right. Mm-hmm. So we went around the table and I'm the last person. And so by now he has a handful of customers paying him. Right. And so everybody said, I would sell it. I would sell it. I, I, I would sell it. And so when he got to me, I said, um, how many people do you have paying you for that now? And he told me, you know, he told us. And I said, well, so if you get 50 more people. How much more would they offer you? Well, no, not that. But if you get 50 more people paying you, that's going to equate to what they're offering you God. over and over and over and over and over again. Right. He was like, well, yeah. I said, I swing for the fences. Quote, unquote. That's what I said that day. And, and so, you, do you remember what year that was? Yeah. We started a company in 06. So that had to be 05. And I said, I swing for the fences. And so we all got up. So we're leaving. Everyone is making promises to him saying, you know, I'm going to put you in touch with so-and-so. I'm going to introduce you to so-and-so. And I said, because at the time I'm a wealth manager, I'm going to introduce you to the attorney that I bring my clients to for setting up businesses, giving business advice, et cetera, et cetera. Nobody did what they said they were going to do except for me. Mm. We set the meeting with an attorney here in Winston-Salem. We leave the meeting. I drive back to Greensboro. I'm on my deck. The phone rings. It's Trinity. Uh, thanks for taking me to meet with this guy. I understood nothing that was said in that one hour <laughs> meeting. <laughs> so he says, I understood nothing that was said in that meeting. He said, I think I want to make a go with this, but I can't do it by myself. Are you interested? Now, I've been on this, 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 this quest of being that guy, right, on yeah. the other end of the phone. So I just put two and two together. I said, let me think about it. I'm in. And that was it. So you said, now you said, well, you said, let me think. I about said, it. let me think about it. I'm in. <laughs> All right. Right. So I was like, we can't do it by ourselves. Right. Because I'm 
when he said that, my wheels, my, my wheels were already turning for him mm-hmm. to say, you should do this, 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 and this. But then when he invited me to be a part, um, I said, we can't do it by ourselves. So we reached out to um, our guy, Ty McLaughlin. Ty was also a wealth manager for, I think, American Express at the time. Mm-hmm. He had an office in Winston Tower. Okay. It was like 12 by 12, one of those smaller offices. Okay. Ty, where you at? I'm in my office. All right, stay there. We go to meet him in his office. Take 20, 25 minutes to run down, you know, what we're talking about doing, run down the vision. What do you think? We need one more person. And we want it to be you. He was like, let me think about it. I'm in. Our office became that office the next day. Our first office was his office the next day. You remember what floor it was on? Uh, he would know. I want to say the, because f- there were only a handful of floors they were building out. Correct, yeah. I want to say the fifth, maybe? Okay. I think. Okay. I'm not sure. But yeah, and so, yeah, our office became his office. You know, what, what, what's amazing in this story so far is that what you start to see is who your friends are, who you surround yourself with can put you in opportunities that you probably would never have by yourself. Yeah. And so that's that's an interesting thing was yeah. where, you know, the pastor put y'all yeah. together. Yeah. Y'all started having this conversation about the business. Yeah. You said, yeah, we can do it. We, let me call somebody else who I trust. Yeah. And now y'all, y'all three amigos at this point. Three amigos. We all know each other. We all trust each other. Um, we set some pretty hard and fast ground rules at the beginning. Um, Which is one, important. Check your ego at the door. I mean, you got three alpha males. Check your ego at the door. Um, stay in your lane. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to tell you about coding. I may help you with design or user interface, stuff like that. But I ain't going to tell you about coding. Ties the CFO. I ain't telling you about how to run our money. I am not telling you about taxes. I'm staying in my lane, sales mm-hmm. and marketing. That's my lane. Mm-hmm. And that's what we did. And so we had some pretty hard, fast rules. Um, and we stuck to those. Yeah. I like that. And so 2006. 2006, we you, launched. You guys are born. Yeah. Now, the first most important thing about any business beyond anything else is sales. <laughs> right. Sales solves problems. How are you going to get to 50 customers? Yeah, yeah. So timing Uh is very, very important in the ingredient to success. Say that again because people don't believe that. Timing is a key ingredient to this thing called success. And the reason why that's so true, if you look at other businesses we can look at in the past. You look at Napster. If mm. Napster was a little bit later, it would be Apple. Yeah. You know, if all these other companies would have, if if MySpace was a little bit later, yeah. it'd be Facebook. Yeah. And yeah. so you just see that timing is such an important, it, it'll so work. Important. It might work for a little bit, but timing is a very important part of the equation when it comes to entrepreneurship. I'm going to hit you back with a book that talks about that. Um, I, I can't even think of the name of the book right now, but you're absolutely right. And what that means is, so I, so there's a um, a website now that's called Beatmaker, I believe. Okay. Where artists can just load, like if you make beats, you can just load yeah. that up. If you play guitar, you can play a riff, load it, and somebody will buy it. If you, um, I don't know, whatever, whatever you, you know, if you're a percussionist, you play, a, you know, drums, you can just play whatever, play drum set, I mean, play a, play a beat and, and, and load that. In 2006, in Asheville, North Carolina, on a napkin, I wrote down, yo, I got it. 
It's going to be called Beat Monkey. <laughs> Artists don't need uh, record companies. A&Rs. And they don't man. need that. No. With this technology, we created, they can upload, da-da-da-da-da. If we had did it, it probably would have failed miserably. Yeah. Because it was too much ahead of its time, just too like early. you talked about, right? Too early. Which is the thing. People don't believe that. So timing was crucial, man. And so um, we went to, and again, we were so clueless. We, we were cool with technology, but clueless about the industry. Okay. So we lean heavily on our customers, and we believe them. So, right. So a lot of times people will ask you stuff about like real estate and Mm -hmm. say, well, Max, how should I do this? Or what should I do with this? And you'll tell them and they'll go, nah, I don't want to do that. So whatever they told us, we did it. Okay. Period. So, so much so we rewarded our customers by not charging them for uh, updates in the system because they became our research department. We have to go out and do the research. You need that because R&D is expensive, right? And they wanted to see us succeed. That's, so they're giving love. us they're giving us the game when it that's comes love. to that, right? So, so we we create this thing now. Remember, we created for this lady who owned a group home. So everything was about group homes in this system. Mm-hmm. So, not to you know go too deep into the mental health world, but um, when it comes to community mental health, they either want the kids in some type of group home setting. Or in the community, in their mm-hmm. in their family, with their family, right? So back then in North Carolina, it was all about group homes. There were group homes everywhere. I, I used to hear about it all the time. There, man, there were group homes everywhere. It right? was like a hustle. It was a oh yes, it was like a hustle. Because it's like story. it was at that point, I mean, maybe still is. Was there was a lot of government funding involved with those things? Yeah, they made they made like back then. And this is 06, 06, 07, They made. Put it this way, if they had, they can only have four beds in the group home. They made three hundred thousand dollars for every group home. They made three hundred thousand dollars a year for every group home. Wow, government, government funded. But then they can go out and get their own funds as well. But government funded three hundred thousand dollars per group home. Some people had 10, 12, 20 group homes. I remember that hustle. I remember not the hustle, but I remember a lot of people talking it was about crazy. it. Yeah. It's crazy. So then the uh, legislator. So everything we have is built for group homes. So the legislator, uh, legislative uh, uh, offices said, you know what? We want we want these kids out of group homes and into the community. So we're going to start paying people for community based mental health. Right. Weren't a whole lot of community based mental health agencies. Mm-hmm. They were all group homes. So we we're like, oh, <laughs> yeah, I, this, this not going to work for community based mental health. But on a dime, we pivoted and we beat everybody to the market. Because you were watching the news and probably just had your ear. We were listening to our customers. Wow. They were because they have to go to these state meetings. Okay, they they have to get audited by, you know, state regulators. So we're just listening to them. And so they were like, yeah, everything's going community based. Y'all got to get ready. And we got ready and beat everybody to the market. And we printed money from 06 till about 09, 2010, we printed money. So do you think, and that's the timing piece. That's the timing piece. And so and do you think that because people were starting fresh with this community base, they were more inclined to just get into a software that would help them from the start versus having to change what they already had going on? That was, that was a part of it. Mm-hmm. But the other thing was we saw a niche and you know the riches are in the niches, right? Mm-hmm. So we saw a niche where people could go buy an EHR for mental health, but they were charging companies 50 grand for implementation. The people we were going after, kind of that middle, mm-hmm. lower market, they didn't have 50 grand, but they would pay us 10 grand a year forever. So we said, let's just go get a bunch of these. 
So and you were a subscription-based software. Subscription-based, yep. Um, you know, monthly recurring revenue. That's the holy grail. MMR. Yeah, that's the holy grail. And so we didn't charge a ton of money for implementation because they just did a demo with somebody who said you got to pay 30 grand implementation. We said, give us 300 bucks. So you're betting on your product. And I'll, and I'll explain to this. So MMR is monthly recurring revenue. And a lot of companies are based upon that. And that's why a lot of companies get you in on the free trial because they some companies that believe in their product and their customer service will give you a free trial and no setup fee and things like that because they believe that they can keep you for X amount of months or right. years or whatever that is. Yep. And they do a calculation. What is the cost of acquisition per every customer? And if I offer the seven day free trial and keep this you know, bump out of it, the setup fee out of it, how long of a runway will I keep this customer? And you guys bet it on your software and bet it on your customer service. We bet it on the software and we bet it on customer service. Absolutely. And it won. And it won. And so you guys were printing money, printing money through the through the, the this recession and everything. Yeah, it was because it's a government proof. funded program. It's a government government, and that's the other thing too. We didn't mess with anybody uh, who did private funding. It was all Medicaid and Medicare, hundred percent. Mm. So all all your customers, your 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 SaaS customers, used your software were 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 government funded Medicaid Medicare type facilities. Hundred percent. You guys ran the software for them. They kept going recession proof. Yeah. So fast forward. Yeah. Anything changes in those times? Because I yeah. met you. This is a crazy story. Yeah. A lot of people know this. I'm. <laughs> a lot of people. I, I had a software company that not a, not an app. I had an app. Let me just back up. It was not a software <laughs> company, right? It was an app. Right. Yeah. It was right, an right, app. Right. Let me stop what we're talking. Right. It was an app that we were building, and um, I don't know who introduced. I forget. I, the person probably gonna hate me for. I don't remember who introduced us. Yeah, I, yeah. I think I know why I don't because you <laughs> block out certain things. Um, somebody, somebody introduced us, yeah. and at this time, Rod and his guys were like idols to me. When they you, cooking. they were cooking, and so I remember exactly where you, your office was. Exactly going into that, so I go, yeah. I go upstairs. I go into the office, and these guys are at a round table. And I sit down, like, you know, I've got my S together. I'm, mm. I'm going to sit down. I sit down at the table, and Barad start grilling me with questions. And I'm yeah. like, I don't know the answer. <laughs> right. And this time, he a big dog. Like, you could Google his name at this time and see that these guys are up on the upper up. But just the time that he gave me allowed me to understand that I wasn't ready and I needed to go back and retool. Yeah. And at that point in my life, a few months later, the entire thing went away. Mm. And that's when I picked up real estate. Mm. And from there, I ain't never looked back. Right. So it's cool that I almost forgot about that, yeah. how, like how we met. And yeah. so the time that you gave me and throughout that, you helped me like you was guiding me along the way on some other things as well, too. And so right. that's it. I almost forgot that how we how yeah. we met. And so yeah. uh, I don't know where I was going with that, <laughs> right. but that's how you and I met. Yeah. Um, yeah. But so you guys are you guys are printing money at this time. Yeah, it's going really, really well. At this time. And fast forward to me a point of a pivotal moment again. Do you have one? Yeah. Yeah. Several. There's a, a, several. So so we are growing like really, really quickly. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, growing somewhere. So we're focused on sales. We're focused on customer service. Really weren't focused on the technology. Right. So six mm -hmm. months when it comes to technology, it's that's a long time, right? That's archaic, that's right? Like, that's like 30 updates. That's right, right. <laughs> and we may have had two. Okay. Right? And so 
the uh, we were at a conference and there's the sheer volume that we added to the system. The system came to a creeping halt. And we're at this conference and we got all these people going, I need to get my documentation done. I need to get these schedules out. Uh, I got an auditor coming in here and we're like, oh, my God. Wow. And so um, it was like, OK, we got we, we got to figure it out. So then it became, you know, problem solving mode. Let's figure it out. Let's let's spend the money we got to spend to get the get this, you know, the technology to where it needs to be um, so that it is, you know, it's, it's still adding value so that it is. It's, no. So it's working. Yeah. Forget adding value. It's working because it stopped working. Right. And so that was a, 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 a major moment because out of that, our customers at the time said, OK, you messed up. We'll give you a pass. But we're going to stick with you. <laughs> we're going to stick with you. Um but you need to stay on your game. So they didn't have to do that. Yeah. And that's probably because of the relationship you built with them that whole time coming up. It was, it was all relationship. Like right now, I really don't like how a lot of companies do business because it's the, there's no relationship. Mm -hmm. And then we'll get into that with the other situation, but there's, there's no relationship. And that's, we do, we, we would, we could go into a business and ask them about their kids and events because we had that kind of relationship yeah. because we knew, uh, we, we knew about them. We had a relationship with them and they would get offended after a certain point in time where we go like, I know you from where? Because our names went from Rod Tyne Trinity to Mr. Sherno. We walk in somewhere, it's Mr. Sherno, mm. right? So it, it became that popular, especially in certain markets. And so um, they got offended when we didn't know who they were anymore, when that relationship seemed to just kind of, yeah. you know, dissipate. So question, how were you selling this? I mean, like, how, how were you gaining yeah. customers? Was it a lot of online marketing? Was it conferences? Nah, we, didn't, we didn't spend anything on digital marketing. Yeah. So keep in mind, we didn't spend a dime on digital marketing. Right. Unheard of today. We I was about to say that. Unheard of today. <laughs> unheard of today. But what we did do, uh, we went to, first of all, we're in a niche market. Correct. All of our customers did the exact same thing. They had the exact same requirements. They went to the exact same conferences. Okay. They were governed by, their governing bodies were the exact same people. Um, we went to where the fish were. If there was a state required meeting for providers, we would show up with pamphlets and lunch. Mm. And yeah, that was it. So you guys are basically selling door to door at this point. We're basically selling we're, conference to conference, Constant conference, conference, conference to conference. Yeah. yeah. But it was all, I mean, literally it was, it was, it was go to where the fish are and be in that space. And then we did things that other people didn't do. We helped in the state of Louisiana, we helped create a provider association. They were getting railroaded by funding sources and by other governing bodies. So we said, y'all need power. Y'all need an association. We helped create that. Okay. At the, we had like the top 30 providers in the state where we helped create their association first. And then they bought ShareNote. And then, oh, John Guy for it been in the business 35 years has share no you don't oh john has sure no yeah i got you sure no right fomo i got i gotta get sure yeah, no john has it i gotta get it so yeah and then we we would do stuff man we did uh we went to state of louisiana in five days we did a five city tour 
where we just sent out stuff to providers saying, hey, we're going to be at this hotel in Shreveport. We're going to be at this hotel in Monroe. Mm -hmm. Free lunch, just come out here to store. We're writing orders in the back of the room. Mm. Five cities in Louisiana in five days. So nobody else was doing stuff like that. We went we went to the people. Y'all did guerrilla marketing. Guerrilla marketing. Yeah, <clears throat> so y'all going to hold this company forever? Nah. Nah. Did, did, was, that, was the plan always that you need to build something that you could sell or you guys were just yeah. having fun? Yeah. So I have a mentor, right? My mentor, his company, before he sold his first company, his company developed the fingerprint software that used to be in the um, iPhones. They had this, they had the technology so buttoned up that Apple couldn't duplicate it. Apple had to buy them to get that technology. They had it so buttoned up with patents. And so this guy, he's my, he's my mentor, right? So I go see him. He was, he was down in Durham. Uh, very rich entrepreneur, uh, startup you know, environment down there. And so I go down, I have a conversation with them. And so we go to the restaurant. So I'm telling them, and we just hit 2 million, right? Mm -hmm. 2 million in revenue, feeling good about myself. Right. And so he said, um, we're talking. I said, yeah, man, we just hit 2 million doing really good. We got 40, 50, 60% margin sometimes doing really good. He was like, Oh, it's a nice little lifestyle business you got. That's right. <laughs> like, Ain't it crazy when you enter the right rooms? But he I was like, bro, he was like, Oh, good. It's like, dude, I told you, I told you I hit two million. Now he just sold his company for three hundred sixty. <laughs> so he's like, that's that's um, that's good. I'm like, what do you mean that's good? He said, that's a nice little lifestyle business. I said, what what do you mean? He said, you probably got a nice car, probably live in a nice neighborhood, and you can take a trip whenever you want to. You and your partners, you guys probably travel together, don't you? I'm like, yeah, nice little lifestyle business. He said, when you want to create an enterprise that adds so much value that you can sell it for three, four, five times, you know, what your revenue or what EBITDA looks like, you got to start over. Because right now you're too comfortable in this lifestyle business. Mm. Piss me off. But from that point, changed everything. Changed everything in perspective. That one lunch, downtown Durham. See how important it is to find mentors. Now, this wasn't a mentor you paid for. You just, nah. you just. This is guy we met at a, at a, we met at this startup event, and we yeah. just clicked. And he it. said, he said, reach out. That's it. Reach out. And so, he, you start, you, you, every that clicked after that lunch. What'd you do to change? What'd you, what'd you do to get? Yeah, we, up? I went, I went back and um, had a conversation with the guys and said, yo, we, we, we got to retool because we had goals, mm -hmm. right? We had goals. We hit them. We surpassed our goals. But goals were too we didn't low. Reset the goals. Okay, like, you just, you happy that you hit? You know, you happy that you average ten points a game? Don't you want to average fifteen points yeah. a game? So that's what we did. We went back and we retooled, and we then we you know set a goal to uh, to uh, have a uh, an exit that we were happy with. Okay, and so you you set this goal of a revenue mark. I'm assuming. Mm -hmm. Yep. You guys hit that revenue mark. Yep. And you knew you knew after leaving that after leaving that lunch, you guys were you need to set goals so you can sell. Set goals so we can sell. Set goals. Well, we because here's the thing about think about a lifestyle business. Mm -hmm. It's okay if you want to have a lifestyle business. It's okay, right? You don't need to reset. You don't need to set more goals. Correct. Like if you just want to eat off the business and have a good life, you good. You good. Which is nothing wrong with that. Nothing, absolutely nothing wrong with that. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. But yeah, that, but we were like, man, that's not what we want. 
So how long from that lunch to the exit? The exit. Yeah, probably um, another four years. Okay. So let's 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 talk about this. Yeah. How do you prepare your business yeah. to exit? Yeah. It's 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 really simple. So first you That's the first time I've heard that answer. It's really yeah. simple. To prepare your business to exit? Yeah, yeah. How do you yeah. how do you make sure you're ready to go? Yeah. So the people who want to buy your business, they mm -hmm. give you the blueprint. Okay. Reverse engineering. <laughs> I can I can tell you, like if you have a business that you want to sell, I can tell you what you need to do in order to prepare it for a successful exit, right? Because they give you the blueprint. They say, we need this, we need this, we need this. You need to be looking at this. Like if, you know, which camera you say, look at this one. Yeah. If nobody is working on anything, work on EBITDA every day. Break it down. What's EBITDA? E it's EBITDA is, is basically your net income, right? It's the earnings before interest, taxes, whatever the D is and whatever they is. Debt and all that, yeah. Yeah. So it's basically your net income. That's all that matters. It's not what we make, it's what we keep, mm -hmm. right? And so if you focus on EBITDA every day, EBITDA is what becomes the primary determining factor of the value of your company. So that's the truth. So two yeah. million don't mean nothing if you burning right. a 1.7 of it. Correct. Doesn't. It's the EBITDA. It's the EBITDA. Get your EBITDA looking pretty, you're going to be leaving EBITDA happy. looking pretty, period. Okay. Period. No ifs, no ands, no buts. You okay. got to focus on your EBITDA. Once you focus on your EBITDA, and there are things that's going to affect your EBITDA. Yeah. You know, you, you, to keep it real simple, you got revenue and you got expenses. Like, what? Exp how can I increase my revenue? How can I decrease my expenses? Right? It's, it's Again, it's not rocket science. Now, there's a lot more that goes into it because you got lawyers, you got 80-page contracts and yeah. all that. But I'm just giving you kind of like the, the, the 30,000 square The simplicity of it is get your EBITDA looking get pretty. Your, get your EBITDA pretty. Get your EBITDA. We, at, at one point, we had... You know, we, we hit like 70% EBITDA one month. So if I'm shopping 70% EBITDA, and then that's not even, so when you get your EBITDA pretty, there's going to be even more things you can back out expense-wise. To make it even look prettier. To make it look prettier. So when I'm talking to somebody that wants to, to buy your company, I said, hey, that, 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 that truck, we got to back that out because you're not going to be paying that truck payment. So now your EBITDA ticks up a little bit. So so question. Yeah. Who is buying companies? Like who are these people? Why are they so why do they care so much about EBITDA? Uh EBITDA is basically profit and um profit is the easiest thing to manipulate to put lipstick on a pig to ultimately resell that business. Hold on a second. Let me back up a little bit. <laughs> so people buy businesses then just resell them. Oh, that's the only reason they buy them. Because they can make the EBITDA look prettier than you did. Correct. Because they can make the EBITDA look prettier because most people that are buying companies, they create immediate economies of scale because they have other companies. So your HR department, we don't need it. Mm. We're going to use our HR department. Back that out, the EBITDA. Back that out. <laughs> oh, now it just... It just ticked up some more. Um, and whatever else that we can create economies of scale. And so typically different industries of business sell at different X multiples of Correct. its EBITDA. Correct. So when did you get your Super Bowl ring? And what I mean by Super Bowl ring is yeah. when did you exit? So what's interesting, what's cool is we got to, we got to exit twice. Oh. Right? That's, that's what's cool. That's what's Hold real on cool. now, because I know so let, in order to eat, leave twice, 
You got to come back in at least one more time. Come back in at least one. More time. <laughs> like, I ain't good at math. I told you I'm good at math. But if you get to leave the building twice, I mean, you had to at least come back in one more time. Right. So we we played in the you know using your Super Bowl analogy, we played in the Canadian Football League first, right? So Meaning, we bought uh, or acquired one of our customers that was failing miserably. Right. So we got into the behavioral healthcare space as an owner of a behavioral healthcare agency, which was real cool because we got to test stuff in the system on our agency because our agency used the system. So hold on. So you turned a research and development marketing budget, um, budget into buying a business that will make a profit, but you get to test your software right. inside of that business. So yeah. you took a negative on a balance sheet, which is correct. And turned it into a profit center and also got to share the, it, wow. And then sold. I don't know if y'all understand that breakdown that I just said. And then sold that. And then, so you sold that business too. Sold that business first. So that was kind of like, okay, this is how we do it. Okay. So you this really went, so you played in the Turkey Bowl over in Canada. The turkey Bowl over in Canada first. <laughs> Absolutely. And then you got ready for the Super Bowl. Got ready for the Super Bowl. So that gave you your training wheels. After Absolutely. that, you kicked your training wheels off and you understood more. A lot more. So now when you went to go talk to the big, and who are the big boys? Not especially private equity. Private, private equity. Private equity. So ex private equity is just people that went out and raised a bunch of money. Man, I, you know, after getting, you know, having a courtside seat, like Jay Sack and Triple Referee, after sitting on that, after sitting on that courtside, I was like, where have I been all my life? So you've been hustling backwards. Been hustling backwards. Hustling backwards, doing really well, feeling really good about myself. I feel like this has got to be a whole other like, podcast, bro. I was like, <laughs> where have I been all my life when I got that course I see? Because I got to play in that sandbox, in the private equity sandbox. So you're saying the next level of owning, doing private equity is probably easier than building a business? Yeah. From like what you guys did sharing, it's better, it's yeah. easier than building? Yes. Yes. I don't know if we can get into that. You, you, I, I, bruh. So when I understood it, it was like, oh man, we can do private equity with real estate. All right. So this gonna be a, this gonna be a long podcast, y'all. <laughs> just just go ahead and buckle in. I don't know where we at at the time, but go ahead and press pause right now. We have forty five minutes. Go press pause right now. We have fifty five minutes. Go press pause right now. Go use the bathroom. We are gonna come, come right back. I promise you. Yeah. Um, so you're saying it's easier to be in the private equity side of things, right? Yes. Um, so wait, did you guys have a nice Super Bowl? Yeah. I'll tell you, we, we had two. You had two Super Bowls? Yeah. Was the, uh, was Share Note a nice Super Bowl? Yes. We're going to leave it at that. Share Note was a, yeah, it was a, it was a can't say no. Here's, here's the, here's what's crazy. You can't even talk about it. No, well, I can't talk about I can't talk the, about the that details. Part. But yeah. I, let me tell you what I can talk about. Because we had offers for share note before. What were your offers look like? Exactly. That's 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 so we're we're sitting at a table. A guy says, somebody says, um, and, and I, I gotta give Ty, who was our CFO, a whole lot of credit. Because at one time we almost took five million dollars for share note. Really? But we turned it down. Okay. Then we almost took eight million dollars for share note. So he was holding strong. And we turned it down. Well, he, he made some good points, but we're like, we're tired. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, this is what we wanted to do. So we turned out $8 million. 
So, right. So then we get the offer. We get the offer. And it's like, okay. And then what sweetened that offer was the opportunity to participate in the big new pick. company. Now explain that to me. Okay. So you, you, you took you took the offer. Yeah. Um, which is good. I mean, they had, and you do you think they heard about you turning down the other offers? No. Because it's all private. Yeah. 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 So I mean, NDAs everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah. All right. So you took you took you took the offer. And they gave you some type of participation in the bigger game? Yeah. So we took, which, which happens a lot of times. So the, let's just get into private equity first. Okay, before, yeah. Because I'll, I'll tell you how. So in private equity, there, there are, so I used, to, I used to tell people that there's no way you can become a millionaire if you're an employee. I no longer believe that because employees in private equity firms make millions, become millionaires in two, three years, four years. Okay, so in private equity, and there's a book called the Private Equity Playbook. Put that in the show notes. Put that in the show notes. The Private Equity Playbook. Um, Great read. And I promise you, if you get the audio book, you'll go through it because it's just so much great information. Um, So with private equity, you have the private equity firm, right? So that's the firm. That's the KKR. That's the big boy, right? So, and then you may have some... KKR may bring some private, smaller private equity groups in as okay. a part of the deal. Um, but then you have the CEO. Uh, you have the CFO, basically your C-suite. Okay. okay? So I got, the, I got, the, I got the, uh, the GM. I got the C-suite. And then you have these top-line managers that have vested interest in turning this profit. That was you. That was me we- once after... After because and I'm gonna get to that point. Yeah, I'll, I'll get to that. Okay. So I, be, I became one of those top line managers. So as a top line manager, you got something called B shares, right? Almost like stock options. Okay. So you get instead of preferred share, you get a B share. You get a like B that. share. Owners, founders get A shares. So we're sitting there with an A share position and a B share position because we become top line managers. And so do they usually retain? They, they usually, from what I know, they usually make an offer based upon. Hey, we want to keep you because you did such a good job building this that we feel like you can be a better part of the picture. We're going to offer you this, but here goes this here goes this other thing that we're going to offer you. We're going to dangle this back here. And if right. you believe in yourself, come rock yeah. with us as a top line. Yeah, absolutely. So you're, you're absolutely correct. So um, what they do, so so we have the we got the GM, that's the big the 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 firm. We got the, you know, we got the coaches, that's the C suite. Then we got the players. That's the top line management folks. And then you got everybody else that they supervise. That top line manager on up, they have B shares. Um, and if you're a founder in the whole conglomerate, you probably have A shares. And then it's like off to the races. Go. And it is the general manager wants their money back in two to three years. Okay. And then some. So you got three. And so you have these ridiculous goals out the gate. Year over year, 70%. We need to increase year over year, 70%. So that means their, their C-suite is impeccable when it comes to the CFOs and the top. Like they got to understand how to manipulate EBITDA like it's no other. Not only that. Not only that. I bet it's a cut. Have you, have you heard of ARPU? You know what ARPU is? ARPU? ARPU. A-R-P-U. Average rate per unit. Uh, no. Okay. So 
let's say you could sell your real estate based on the average rate per unit. Okay, average. Average rate per unit. So not the actual. Average rate per unit. Okay. You can report your earnings based on your average rate per unit. So your average rate per unit is X and you have 100 units. Multiply. That's 100X. That's, that becomes your value. Yeah, but the majority of those are well under are well under that average. You may have two or three that's pulling you up to the average. It's like the S&P 500. How exactly. Apple is holding the whole thing up right now. Yeah. But if you dig in there. Yeah. So when I buy it from you, right, I got this average. And you sold it to me based on ARPU. When I dig in, like I just bought all these storage units, I'm like, Oh my God, I only got five <laughs> properties that, you know, I only got five boxes that are really good. I got all this other junk, mm -hmm. right? So there's a thing called ARPU that people can use to value their companies. Right? And so if, let me get, let me just kind of summarize this for the guests. All right. You have people that go out there and build companies. Mm -hmm. Right. They do well enough to where they get the attention of private equity. Mm -hmm. Private equity are some big players, mm -hmm. sometimes with billions of dollars. Mm -hmm. They go up and they buy multiple companies like yours mm -hmm. in order to put together a healthcare ecosystem. Correct. Healthcare software ecosystem. Correct. So now there's 10 share notes and all these other guys, right. and they put it together and make a big sweet pie of healthcare software. Yeah, almost like a closed-in fund or almost like a mutual fund. And then they just saying, "Look at all the revenue we bring in. Look at all the revenue, look at all the EBITDA. And then somebody look at, the profit. Yeah, look at all the EBITDA we bring in. And somebody that's even bigger than the hedge fund that has billions of dollars that only cares about returning a profit over X amount of time says, "I'll buy that EBITDA." So they're buying cash flow. They're buying cash flow. But before that, to get to that healthcare ecosystem, that's all that that's all they did. They bought EBITDA and look for opportunities to instantly inflate the EBITDA all within a three, four year period. Oh yeah. A two year period. So somebody gives me 10 billion. I got X amount of time to go up and buy all these joints. I'm buying EBITDA wherever I can find it. That I'm buying a, EBITDA. That puts a whole other perspective on the sense of selling your business that, you know how we think, okay, the big dog is like, you know, we want, we we gotta we gotta cater to the big dog. The really thing is he's playing with a clock. Oh no, without a doubt. I mean, I don't, that didn't never came to me till without, right now. Without a doubt. So the, the the company that ended up buying us, they bought nineteen companies in about three years. Nineteen, 19 type software companies. Yeah. And and nineteen and onboarded. Not only buying them, because you gotta buying them is one thing, you gotta onboard them. You gotta operate you gotta, them and everything. Exactly. And then you gotta operate them, right? So, yeah, in, in two years, with the expectation that we're going to exit in two more years. And so you help that? I help that part, right. Okay, you so help they, the onboarding and making sure they're running and looking good? Absolutely. So I ended up running, I, so I ran the sales organization for a share note. I ended up running five or six different companies, the sales organizations for the companies within the, the, the family. Software conglomerate of like healthcare. Conglomerate, right. And so then... Um, so we'll, we'll take a step back. So to get to that position, um, we, when we took the offer, we took 75% up front and then we rolled back in 25%. Now we're owner of the consumer. So you took your equity play out of the first one and, and said, I'm gonna bet on myself and go second one. Cause you can double triple, whatever that, whatever. Exactly. Happened. We can do it all over again. So I tell people, and then, and then in April, no, 
So wait, that that looked like two Super Bowls. That look- that's what. Yeah, we sold it twice. So in May of 2021, this this company called KKR came in and bought the conglomerate. And so, is this? Can I Google this? Yeah. All right, I will. Yeah, I'm not see, gonna put you on the spot. I'm gonna look see, it up yeah, myself. Yeah, look it up, and you'll see Share Note as a part of the okay, a part of that little look look company in Winston Salem, little software company in Winston Salem. That's a part of that a part of that deal. And so the big boys came and yeah, bought the conglomerate, the healthcare conglomerate. software conglomerate. Right. And so now they are racing to do it again. To do it again, but who's at the top? Exactly. Great question. <laughs> Great question. So there's only one or two people that could possibly buy it or they'll take it public. So you're talking about like Berkshire Hathaway buys these type of things? Somebody like that. Somebody like a Berkshire, yeah. Somebody like that. Or it could be a competitive play where um, you have other um, healthcare organizations that are large enough to possibly buy, buy the conglomerate again. But if not, they'll take it public. And then you got the whole world. They're selling to the whole world then. Through a SPAC, they're taking it probably through a SPAC, special uh, purpose. Uh, yeah, they'll just they'll just do a whole yeah, just do an IPO, just do an IPO. So, so imagine, so let me let me in, in your terms, right? Give you the because the understanding like the simplicity of this is is I need I need people to understand the simplicity, right? Because this is a whole nother entrepreneurial. Game. This is a game we don't. They so, don't tell us about. This is a game. No, nobody looks. Nobody look like me. Nobody look like me. There's only one person that looked like me at KKR, but in my organization, I was it. Um. So the what did you say about the C-suite? You said the C-suite had to be what? They had to be good at getting that EBITDA, yeah. manipulating EBITDA. Yeah. So imagine they got they got good enough. They they were good enough for a. Um, KKR to come in and say, oh, I want to buy you, right? Do they come with the package too? They come with the package temporarily, but then what do they do? They go do it again. And again. And again. That's and their they career. run a two, three-year cycles. That's their career. That's their career. So when I'm trying to get the, the gig at IBM <laughs> and I want the, you know, I want the company car and the, the uh, expense account, they're going, no. So there was a guy and we'll, we'll leave him nameless that came in to help with the last deal that I was in. And he was there six months and probably walked away with three mil on his what? Fifth or sixth Super Bowl? Probably. And that's what that's that's a career. I want to overemphasize that point. It's a, it's career. a career. It's not a hustle. It's that's not. I don't go get another job. It's like if, if it's not an equity back firm, I don't want to mess with it. And if I'm not a, if I'm not in the C-suite or a top level manager, I don't want to do I don't want to deal with it. I don't go get a job like at a, again, like at a, you know, at Google or Apple or. So, so, so hold on a second. So in, yeah. I'm doing my math. You, you played in the Canadian football league. Yes. With, with selling the actual operating business that you, that the, the actual mental health care facility. Yeah. And you went to the Super Bowl, sold your joint. Yeah. And then you went to the Super Bowl again. Yeah. So you really got three rings. Yeah. Yeah, me and the team, not just me, but the team. No, we I get that. Yeah, yeah. Speak, yeah, yeah. You hear speaking on behalf of the yeah, team. Y'all yeah. got three. You got got three rings yeah. in the span of when did you get? When that was did probably? Gosh, when did we say, now was, I know it took you all the time to build. You guys all that time to build Sharenote, but yeah. in the span of being acquired to 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 being. Yeah, so probably we got three three rings in probably six years. Six years, seven maybe. That's like Jordan stats. Yeah. So. Yeah. 
All right, first of all, congratulations. Give him a round of applause, y'all. Because like, first thank of you, all, you. you don't really see too many brothers exiting. My guy Daryl Freeman is one of them. I love that. I love that guy. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I love his story too. Yeah. I love, a lot of similarities. Yeah. I love What's his next? Story. And he talks about the simplicity yeah. of that, like yeah. you do. And I'm like, oh, I don't understand. Yeah, dude. So, so I recently started a um, started a company. I recently started a trucking company. I recently, wow, you chilling? I know because I went into this industry because it's archaic, right? Mm, um, here we go again another archaic industry it's an archaic industry but this one's a giant it's a gigantic industry but so was the electronic health records that's true too though and they told us they're like yeah we tried that we tried that web-based thing you need to make make, make it server-based we tried that web-based thing it's not gonna work so with trucking <laughs> um i can do with trucking what was done with this healthcare organization talk about it so Right now, uh, on the outside looking in, it's like, oh, Rod's, you know, building a, he started a trucking company at the worst possible time to start a trucking company. Depends on what lens you're looking through. Mm -hmm. Some people, it's like, it's the absolute worst time. Equipment prices are really, really high. Freight rates are really, really low. Fuel prices are really, really really high. high. Drivers, good drivers uh, are scarce. Worst time to start a trucking company. But... Those are the reasons why I want to double down in this business. Okay. Right. So, and then there are other people that want to get in the trucking business. So, so, so you got trucking background? No, no. You drive a truck? Uh, no. You want to hear, want to hear a funny story? You own story? a truck? Let me hear, uh, yeah, I own several now. No, no, not, not that type of truck. Like even just a Ford or something? No, I, mean, I, got, <laughs> I got an SUV. But I, don't, I don't even, I, I never own a pickup. I never own a pickup. Um, uh, but funny story. So I bought a I bought a uh, a box truck, right? Twenty six uh-huh. foot box truck, and I bought it, and uh, I was excited to buy this box truck. And when I bought it, my fleet manager said thirteen six, right? That was the day I bought it. I was like, all right, cool. That's cool. the that's the height. Yeah, that's the height. I was like, all right, like why you say thirteen six? Just want to remind you. So I get this box truck, right? And so I'm tooling around town this box truck, and after a while. I forget I'm driving a box truck because I'm comfortable, right? So um, I need a place to park it. So I found a guy who said, yeah, you can park it here. I charge 100, 100 bucks a month to park it. I'm like, I bet. So can you meet me today? He's like, yeah, yeah, I'll meet you. So I'm 100 yards, well, 50 yards from where I'm going to park it. And I hear, and I'm like, what is wrong with my engine? I'd gone under a train trestle. That was 12 feet 7. Mm, That's not 13 that 6. peel your muffin cap back. Bruh. <laughs> Bruh, like a sardine can. I was like, what just? The what, can what? opener. Oh, my God. I was so mad. Did I wasn't I mad news, because man? of the thing. That's what you want to know? Nah, you see what I mean. <laughs> nah, because then, you know, I tried, to, I tried to cover it up real Software quick. Software developer sells his company and crashes. He crashes, he crashes the box truck. <laughs> I don't know what he was doing. Crashes the box truck. While he was, what furniture he was moving or why he was driving the box had no truck. Business, had no business driving the box truck. <laughs> had no business driving. You're but just I'm like, cruising around. I'm just cruising go- around. And now it feels like I'm driving a car. I forget about all the things that truck drivers have to think about have to think about it, it is like it's ridiculous so now you got a convertible box truck got a convertible box truck yeah convertible thanks yeah convertible yeah top, top. so what kind of uh, so uh, now yeah. you can haul like giraffes i can I, yeah i can haul anything high you got something that needs to be hauled that's high <laughs> i got you i got you uh yeah it looks like a, like noah's art like i got you so this is this is your new i'm, I'm not gonna get bored i want to do something different 
Yeah, but I want to. I want not only do I want to do something different. I want to do it differently. You want cha- yeah, change. You want to yeah. change the industry. So imagine, imagine you want to get in the trucking business, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's a, it's a. Uh, first of all, it's so much to know. Oh my god, you know, I thought software, and I thought behavioral health and mental health and healthcare. Period was a lot to learn. This is ridiculous. I mean, so many moving parts. So many people got their hand in the pot. The yeah. bureaucracy is ridiculous. Um. Let's say you want to get in the business, right? So what if you could buy into a 10 truck, for lack of a better term, we'll call it fund, mm-hmm. right? So I got a 10 truck fund. Um, it's a million dollar fund. I'm raising a million bucks. Minimum investment is five grand. And you buy into it. So, okay, I'm still raising to like it. And then when I get the million, I go buy 10 trucks. That's going to turn... Even in these bad times, going to turn one hundred, hundred, hundred twenty thousand dollars a week. Just buying cash flow. Yeah, same concept. Then I work on the EBITDA, and then we do what? We package it and sell it. And then we go do the same thing over and over again. You're happy because your five turned into seven, eight in two years. Which you probably can't do that in the stock market. Definitely can't do that in the stock market. Not you're not an that. entrepreneur, so you're not. You know, you're not going to do that. So. And then we go and then we do the same thing again and again and again and again in an archaic industry. Um, so any business that people are in, think like that. You, you could, there are other people that want to do what you do. Let them in by creating something similar. Real estate. I got, so the, so in that healthcare conglomerate, mm-hmm. the underlying asset was the software company. Mm-hmm. There are 19 of them. The underlying asset can be a truck. The underlying asset could be a house. The underlying asset could be whatever, right? So go create the same scenario. Interesting. Yeah, and do it over and over again. The underlying asset could be an apartment building. It could be, the underlying asset could be a, um, you know, high rise. It's like, you just need, the the, the playbook allows you, you gotta have an underlying asset that you can create value and then you increase that EBITDA and then somebody's going to say, oh, I got money because there's a lot of liquidity. And then they go buy it. And here's the cool thing. It's mostly borrowed money. They borrow it. Everybody's borrowing it from somewhere. They, it's borrowed money. So it's not like KKR is pulling this money out of their chest. No. They're going to you, you, you and saying, hey, give me 100. I'll, I'm going to give you 100. And in two years, I'll give you 140 back. But they 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 talking to the big guys though, at that point, right? Oh, or the next step is talking to the big guys, possibly. So the CEO who started the company that ended up becoming a part of the company, um, he now has influence with four or five different um, private equity groups. I have relationship with him. I call him and say, hey, what's going on? He says, oh, so-and-so, Lightyear's getting ready to do a deal. You want in on this deal? This is what da 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 mm-hmm. So now we have access to those deals. And so he reaching back to everybody. He got paid out. He's reaching he said, back. And you know he done took everybody to the Super Bowl already. He's, yeah, he's taking himself to the Super Bowl and everybody else with him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, his Super Bowl. My Yeah, my ring is, yeah. Hey, everybody on the team get a ring. Everybody get a ring. Yeah. Even if you come halfway through the season. Right. Everybody, <laughs> heck yeah! It's, you come six months before the exit, you get a ring. So, 
what do you tell people out there that wants to get into entrepreneur? Well, matter of fact, not wanting to get entrepreneur. Tell people yeah. right now that are running their business yeah. and want to exit. What's the best strategy, or what's what's some tokens, some drives, some something you can give them? Yeah. So, first of all, first of all, you have to have a business. No disrespect to anybody real, that's out real. there hustling, working really, really hard. But first of all, you have to have a business that's creating value, tremendous amount of value, um, and your EBITDA is pretty. So if you are a T-shirt, if you're, if you're selling T-shirts, right, and you're selling 500 T-shirts a month, What's your plan to sell 10,000 t-shirts a month? Right? Because we got to create, we got to create that. Because can I sell a $500, I mean, 500 t-shirt a month business? I could. If somebody's willing to buy it, because there might be somebody out there willing to buy for whatever reason. They need t-shirts for their, for their other three businesses. Mm -hmm. They'll buy this t-shirt company. And they do, people do competitive deals like that all the time. I I, I know, yeah. They do competitive deals like that. It's like, I need t-shirts. Oh, I'll go buy a t-shirt company. I'm not going to start making t-shirts, right? So can I do it that way? Yeah, I can. But what can I do to, to, to increase the overall value that I give people? What can I do? And so you solve that problem. And then the other thing is you may say, maybe this, maybe this isn't the the business I'm supposed to be in, or Mm -hmm. what about the space that I'm in is the real business, right? The largest um, record company is who? I think it's Warner music or business. Apple. Sorry, let me back up. You ain't lying. They sell more music than anybody. They're the largest software company, too. They, they get sell more music than everybody. anybody. They start off becoming a music company? No. They said, oh, but this is the... So that's their business. Napster. Right. Could have been Napster. Could have been Napster, right? So <laughs> whatever you're doing, you go, oh, man, like, I'm in a t-shirt business. Maybe the machines that print the t-shirts is, is what business. I need to be doing. Yeah. Maybe that. So find the business that's going to increase your revenue and your profitability exponentially, and then just run hard. Set goals, run hard, hit the goals. And, and and model yourself after someone that's done it. That's the other thing too. Because we talked to that. several, bruh, I got a uh, shout out to John Stoudemire and uh, shout out to Kelly Coley. John Stoudemire was in my third grade class. Mm. Right? John was the fastest kid in the school. I was like, why is John so fast? How can he be? And I, and I, would, I could never beat John. I'm always in second. Field day at max. I'm coming in second. <laughs> so one day, you know, I'm eight, nine years old. I'm like, John has to be doing something I'm not doing. So I followed John the whole day. That was my first introduction to modeling. Whatever John ate at lunch, I ate. When John got up, go to the bathroom, I went to the bathroom. Yeah. I'm doing everything John did, right? Did I become faster? No, right? But it kind of put into me, oh, okay, find out who's doing what it is that you want to do. And then, and then, you know, find out. Kelly broke, Coley, fix when I became a wealth manager, you know, it's like 150 wealth managers in the whole company. Uh, somebody in the top five was in Kernersville, North Carolina. A young lady named Kelly Coley. Called Kelly up, said, Kelly, can I come hang out with you for a week? Dude, when I tell you, when I left that following week, I did everything Kelly did. She's in top five. Why wouldn't I? Of course. Why wouldn't I? Um, I was the rookie of the year that year. And again, I was top five every single year. So model after someone that's already doing it. It's like, it's, it's, you know, a lot of people, their ego is too big for them to do that. I'm, yeah. I'm not saying go copy someone. I'm saying model after what they do. Take what right? they're doing good. 
and then sprinkle sprinkle your, your you know your, your sauce in there, man. Yeah, absolutely. So, man, yeah. So this, that's this has been crazy, man. I feel like I need a part two because man, let's do it because I, 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 I feel like I feel like we can dig into some other things that's on a high level conversation that yeah. a lot of people that's at a certain level of of business need to understand. So yeah, we got to, we got to, we got to come back. But this is uh, coming here. I thought he had one Super Bowl ring. Not only figure out he got, he got three Super Bowl rings in the sense of business exited three businesses. And uh, that's amazing. So listen, guys, there's going to be a lot more of this. Rod is the first of many. Yeah. You know some of the guests we got coming up. Yeah, it's gonna you be got, you got some fire guests coming up, man. You, it's gonna yeah. be fire. I, I might come sit in the audience when when when, when a certain person. Comes yeah, yeah. It's gonna be it's, it's gonna, gonna be interesting. Eat off history. Yeah. So Rod, where, where can people find you? Um, Roderick L Brown. So Roderick L Brown on Instagram. Roderick L Brown on Twitter. Roderick L Brown. Um, yeah, everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah. Just just search it. Facebook is Rod Brown. But yeah, yeah. So so go go follow him on Instagram. And my thing is, here's the thing that I'm doing. I'm bringing people on that you don't know, that I know, or know somebody that know them that are doing crazy good things. Ain't too many times you find somebody that's a brother that's went out there and sold a software company, not only once, but twice, um, and exited a business, right? Because that for every entrepreneur, that is the holy grail. And so congratulations to Rod Thanks, and his man. whole team over there that built it. Thank you for uh, mentoring me when yeah, I was, man. when I was, was this 04, 05, somewhere yeah, around somewhere there, 06, there. Yeah. somewhere when I was, you know, yeah. sorry, no, 2006, where am I? Yeah. 2007, maybe? 2007. So, seven, eight, somewhere like that. Yeah, because we were in that building. So yeah, it had to be seven, eight, somewhere yeah. there. Yeah. Anyways, thank you, man. Man, and, thank uh, you, bro. Uh, listen, pe people don't realize, man, the the value that you put out into the world it's crazy man because of people like you have given me something when i was you know younger yeah so that it makes me want to give back because i know what how it impacted me but, but i don't i don't think people appreciate like what you've done there's like, a lot of there's noise not, out there. there's not too many people that have done what you've done like you've you've probably single-handedly changed the lives of a bunch of people changed the and, and what's cool is not only did you change their life, but you changed the trajectory of their generation. Yeah, change their family tree. The, yeah, the entire tree. So, man, just just shout out and appreciate salute, it, bro. man. Salute. Appreciate yeah. it. Appreciate it. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you, Rod. I appreciate you guys tuning in for the first episode. We're back of the Max Maxwell Show. We got many more coming. Don't go anywhere. Do me a favor. If you're on YouTube, hit the subscribe button. Smash the bell because content is just dropping on your head top very fast. And don't forget, if you listen anywhere you listen to the podcast, give me a rating. Give me a five star. I greatly appreciate it. We'll keep making more of these hits. And if you got any questions about the podcast, we're going to have show notes. Make sure you go download the show notes from our website. And I'll see you guys soon. All love and peace. We out.